Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Picture Skiing Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Gelly, and today you're going to meet two friends of mine, Harry McFadden and Rupert Goldring. I know these two guys through the Rookie Academy, which is a company based out of Wanaka, New Zealand, that runs instructor training and advanced skiing training camps, and it's in an absolutely stunning part of the world. You'll hear our experiences soon uh, talking about New Zealand. So not only is it situated in like an amazing part of the world, why I wanted to do this podcast is because the Rookie Academy is quite special. It's, uh, it's focus being so much on getting better at skiing and providing the environment, the atmosphere, the culture, the, 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 the social environment. It's, it's all these things that's hard to sort of quantify that make a unique learning experience that makes you a better skier. Now you're gonna hear about it from the perspective of us as trainers and the fact that you know we wanna travel from all different parts around the world. Some of the best ski trainers in the world wanna to get together and work together. It sort of speaks volumes about this, uh, this company, this organization and the program they run. I hope you enjoy this episode where we discuss what makes the Rookie Academy so special what makes it such a great experience for the, the, the guest, the student, and the trainer, so everyone involved. And I hope it inspires you to perhaps come and visit New Zealand and perhaps join one of the Rookie Academy camps because I think they are a fantastic experience, especially if you're you know, a Northern Hemisphere person. You reach summer and all you can think about is doing more skiing. Well, I can tell you that, that spending time in your off season doing even just a few weeks goes a long way to really taking your skiing up a notch and just like keeping continuity and and as you'll hear from here getting inputs from people that have ideas and have diversified their their training philosophy from exposure to people all around the world there's nothing better you can do than get input from different perspectives i'm i'm a real firm believer in that so I hope you enjoy this episode where I chat with Harry and Rupert that you, yeah, that inspires you to come and ski in New Zealand. Harry, for people that don't know, well, who are you and what is the Rookie Academy? Well, I'm Harry McFadden and um, I'm a ski trainer from New Zealand and uh, I'm a manager for the Rookie Academy. And uh, what the Rookie Academy is, is it is a ski instructor training and advanced camp training provider based in Wanaka, New Zealand, working between Treble Cone Ski Area and Cadrona Alpine Resort now. And it has been operating since 1992, originally just as a uh, training provider for local people that wanted to become ski instructors. And now it has grown to be a uh, international melting pot for ski training and instructor training. Nice, 1992. That's a that's a while ago. Do you know, like, what wh why it started? Like, wh whose whose idea was it, and why did they call it the Rookie Academy? Absolutely. So, in 19, 1992, uh, the 
founder of Rookie Academy, Dean Hunter, was a ski instructor and trainer for the Treble Cone Snow Sports School. And they had a program called the Rookie Program, which was meant for people that wanted to be ski instructors. They would train on Saturdays and Sundays every week and then sit their New Zealand ski and ski instructor exams at the end of the season. And Dean Hunter was the original trainer for the original rookie program provided by Treble Cone. And Garrett Shaw, who has recently left rookies, but was a owner and manager and director of Rookie Academy uh, from 1994, was on the original rookies course that Dean taught in 1992. There you go. Uh, cool. I didn't, I mean, for some people, this will just be like names thrown out there, but I've worked for the Rookie Academy for, for three, three winters. And uh, when you get to know these people, it's kind of interesting to hear the, hear the history. Rupert, when did you first uh, come over as a trainer for the rookies? I, um, I think my first season for the rookies was 2000, 2008, if I'm, if I'm, if my memory serves. Um, and yeah. And what, like what brought you over? I mean, you should say Rupert, Rupert is a Basie, uh, level four trainer. He's, ex demo team a couple of times more than a yeah, couple, a couple times. of times yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah so so who brought like who brought you over who thought you were well you know was, half was, worth um, flying across the world yeah yeah no it's a fair point i guess the first <laughs> thing is that uh i was i used to i used to work in in remarkables in the i guess i first went to the remarkables and coronet i think 2000 or 2001 sort of fell in love with New Zealand back then. Um, and then I was, I was a bit stumped for winters. I'd, I'd been working in uh, Argentina, actually. Um, and then this friend of mine, Gerardo, um, Italian guy, uh, who I used to, um, used to work with over here in the Alps, uh, he phoned me up out of the blue and said, mate, do you, want to come, do you want to come over to New Zealand and do some work with me? And under the umbrella of the Rookie Academy. And I, I sort of heard of the Rookie Academy as some sort of mythical, uh, I guess, uh, mythical, like Harry says, melting pot where lots of demo team members and the likes of Steve Smart were going over and training. Um, so, yeah, a bit Gerardo's proverbial handoff. And uh, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> and how was the first How was the first yeah, season? Was it 2008. Did, did, it, did it live up to your expectations was it fun what was it like yeah 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 completely I mean I, I, I my previous experience had been um had been in Queenstown which which I love and I was probably at the age when when Queenstown suited me but um I'd, I'd often uh made road trips over to Treble Cone from Queenstown on days off and um you know just to experience the well the steepness and the the terrain um and and so when Gerardo said, yeah, you'd be working in TC, like I said, I was I was I was pretty chuffed, and um, yeah, just the idea it did it did live up to it. It, it probably it, it probably exceeded it actually. Just um, training sessions with with Steve Smart and Steph Scrobar. Um, again, I'm throwing out names that 
that maybe some people won't know, but um, Steve Smart, uh, back, back in the day, I used to work a lot with some Canadians and, and they all talked about Steve Smart like he was some sort of deity. Uh, and I actually, you know, just to first get ski with him and then, you know, work with him and talk nonsense in the staff room and have him training us. It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, um, it was pretty amazing for a, for a relatively youthful uh, ski coach back then. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, uh, yeah, for, for those who don't know, yeah, Steve Smart definitely is a bit of a legend in the industry and, um, not only, I mean, I think two things stand out. One, his ability to ski, like, was just far better than everyone else. Wouldn't you agree, yeah. Rupert? Yeah, completely. Like, just, just is so strong, so strong, so disciplined. Didn't, didn't sort of matter steepness. I mean, New Zealand can get some great, you know, great snow, and it can get some pretty tough snow. It didn't seem to affect uh, Steve's form at all, or his, or his ski performance. Yeah. And then, but then his ability to, to train and it was sort of a pretty no nonsense, wasn't it? Like make it, yeah, definitely, you know, definitely. here's what we're doing and then we're just going to gradually make it more and more difficult and you'll learn through the task. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was definitely task, task focus, which is, which can only be a good thing. I, I do remember one instance when uh, the bumps were pretty, um, pretty bulky and we were skiing bumps. Everybody was feeling pretty good. I mean, Steve was the first person actually I skied with that was really talking about a rounded sort of outside line and and sort of translating a, a you know a rounded short turn into the bumps. And and we, we were sort of getting on board with that. And then then he took a ski away from us. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was nuts. It was one of those sort of memories that you look back on with 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 utter affection probably at the time i was a bit i was a bit worried but uh yeah it was great yeah learned a lot from it yeah yeah massive, hey, massive. hey i think it's probably worth for for people listening that have not visited new zealand to hear a little bit about just new zealand as a country i mean i personally I, I mean, being an Australian, it wasn't that far away, but I only went there in, I think, 2017 for the first time. And I was absolutely blown away with uh, the beauty and the terrain. And, and for the Southern Hemisphere, the snow, especially around Treble Cone, is, is, it felt just better quality, whether it was the altitude or, or whatever. But I think New Zealand, like you mentioned at Rupert, you said, you first visited back in early 2000 and you sort of fell in love with New Zealand was what were some of the things you remember about, you know, for um, people that have never, never been to the country. Yeah. What stood out to you? Well, um, I mean, it, primarily as a, as a sort of passionate rugby fan and, and played a bit back in the day, obviously the rugby when I grew up was just, uh, it was something to aspire to. And, uh, and I guess when I first went there, uh, I was expecting the Alps. I mean, I've, I've lived in the Alps for, I guess, um, I'm giving my age away, but probably about 30 years. Um, and it was like the Alps, but but um, in terms of the sort of really jagged, young fold mountains. But uh, I think what was most obvious is, was the... Um, 
I don't know, it felt pioneering. The lifts were pretty slow at the time. Um, it didn't feel commercial at all. It felt like everybody that was going there was 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 there to ski. And, um, you know, it didn't have uh, smart... I mean, this has changed a little bit, but uh, it didn't have smart restaurants on the hill. It was sort of diametrically opposite to, to what I what I see in Val d'Isere. It sort of felt like Val d'Isere back when I was a kid in the in, in the 80s and 90s. Um, yeah, pioneering. I, I remember the smell of... Uh, I remember getting off the plane and the smell of... Um, you know, wood burning stoves and uh, and everything. People were sort of wearing lumberjack shirts and um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just it just felt it just felt pretty authentic, really. It's a horrible word, authentic, but I think you know what I mean. Uh, I know what you mean. Even even down to the first time, if you've ever been, first time you visit Trebelcone and you drive up the side of this mountain through these dirt switchbacks. Like that's that's different. A lot of ski resorts around the world. Yeah, it's a nice, yeah, yeah. It's a nice road. And this one, you drive up past sheep, and and there's no snow at the bottom. And then you drive up to the snow line, just literally straight up the side of this steep mountain. And like I remember my first day, I'd I'd gotten off a plane, and uh, I met I met oh, well Riley flew in as well on that day. Riley McBashan and I. And then Dean picked us up and took us back to to Wanaka. And you, and when you come to Wanaka, you kind of drive over that hill and and then down. And what you see in front of you is is the lake, and then the mountains just booming in the background, covered in snow. And and I said to the guy, I said, I've got to move here. I've got to, yeah. I've got to ring up Jenny, and I've got to like we have to move here. This place is it, place is incredible. Yeah, and I mean. Well, but- and I think you know Harry. Harry's the local. Harry, you've you, you've grown up and and lived a lot around there. Your parents have have a home in uh, in Wanaka as well. What's what would you say about New Zealand and, and the mountains? Well, I think the mountains in New Zealand are an incredibly special and unique place. Like I, you know, I've skied all around the world and much bigger, you know more established resorts but there's just something so special about Wanaka and kind of what Rupert and yourself have touched on the scenery the the rawness of it the rawness of like having to drive up basically a dirt farm track with sheep on the road up to the snow line where you get out of the car and it's a muddy car park that you walk across and you know, Triple Cone has two lifts, but it is some of the best skiing I've ever done anywhere in the world with terrain and, uh, you know, the scenery as well. It's amazing. Skiing in New Zealand is very unique. And it is. A lot of people outside of New Zealand ask me, what's New Zealand like? You know, is it good? You know, we, we're used to skiing in Courchevel. So, you know, and I say, it's completely the opposite, but it has some, you know, similarities. The mountain ranges almost look like the European Alps with far less development, much more raw. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I think like like Rue would say the, you know, that word authentic, but you know, it it really does 
feel like a very uh i don't know yeah you feel like you're in a in a place where there's no bullshit it's just you know the people are very honest the the landscape is 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 very honest i mean if you go past treble cone you're driving towards um some serious sort of glacial mountain terrain and there's not really that much developed you know a couple of farms along the way you it does feel like you're in the middle of nowhere really and i think that's the the huge uh charm of it and i would i would echo that the terrain is is some of the best uh sort of free ride fun just yeah terrain it's 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 an amazing resort treble cone hey um so then harry how did um like what's your experience you know the reputation rookies had before you joined and you know you heard rupert sort of talk about it what's your perspective on it well you see i always i grew up in christchurch uh which for those that don't know new zealand is 440 kilometers north of wanaka and we're triple coners but we used to come down uh, in the school holidays and things like that to ski and I remember when I was about 15 years old, starting to think, what did I want to do when I leave school and things like that? And I wasn't too sure. And I thought, oh, I'll do, I'll become a ski instructor. I'll do a ski instructor course. And I remember going up the six-seater chairlift at Triple Cone and looking up to Upper Gun Barrel, uh, or as Dean calls, Headwall. And for those that all need to come down to New Zealand and ski with us, we'll ski that run a lot. It's a brilliant steep off piste run. I remember looking up and seeing a bunch of guys in uniform doing synchro short turns. Rupert was probably in the group. And was, um, I may have been there, yeah. were they quite skinny? I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember looking up. And thinking, wow, those guys are so cool. I want to be like them when I'm older. I want to work with them. And then I remember seeing their uniform in the lift queue. And it said Rookie Academy. And it was a very unique uh, thing for me to see because it's quite unique in New Zealand to have like a, you know, an independent uh, kind of company or training company that sits aside from the mountain ski school and I remember looking and thinking wow that's so cool I want to I want to ski like them one day I want to ski with them cool and then so that that sort of uh ignited uh like a passion to to, to do that and because I know you've you've taken it pretty seriously done a lot of training followed different sort of uh I guess trainers around the world to help your development when uh yeah what was that like do you want to quickly chat about that because i mean you you are you were on you were on you made the new zealand demo team so you know that's a pretty fast track you know you you had a mission (laughs) yeah yeah i went from level zero so unqualified to demo team in seven years um, and when I, when I was an unqualified instructor, I was, or level one, I was not very good at skiing. And 
I really think even though I was not working for the Rookie Academy um, at that point or even training with them, I was working as a ski instructor at Cadrona. I noticed how everyone who worked for the Rookie Academy got so much better at skiing and were great skiers and very knowledgeable skiers because of the melting pot of different international ski instructors and trainers all working together, training together and sharing ideas. So I said to myself, I am going to work in different resorts around the world and I'm going to target the resorts I go to to make sure that I'm always working in resorts with really top ski instructors, demo team members, etc. And that is what helped me develop as a skier. And I feel like it's almost the idea of information sharing that I saw Rookie Academy have. I took that with me and um, worked with that as I went around the world. And I would, I always say to any young ski instructor, I always say to them, make sure you work in different places, learn from different people. Don't just do the same resort. You might do the same resort in New Zealand or Australia, wherever you're from every year. But if you're going off to work in the Northern Hemisphere, do a season in Canada, do a season in the States, go to Europe, go to Japan. I know work visas can be a real challenge, but nothing's impossible. And it's so important, I think, to travel and, you know, get those different people. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and I guess you you were talking about the, so in the Rookie Academy is this place where some of those people from all over the world come together in the Southern Hemisphere and end up working side by side. And I would say that's one of the most fun things about working with the Rookie Academy. That first season I came in 2017 and you walk into the locker room and there's JF Bullio and uh, there's, you know, Riley and also and some, some Basie people I'd heard of on the internet and uh, other like Jonathan Ballou, all these, all these great characters and being able to just talk to them and bounce ideas off, say, you know, put your thoughts out there and get them either ripped apart or, or confirmed. Th- that part was like, to me, the biggest value in, in coming and working at the rookies. Like if you put those group of people in any resort around the world, I think it would still also be an amazing experience. The fact that it's a travel cone, it's, I think it's even better, but I think that that mixture is, is amazing. I like the, when, when Takao Mariyama came, I mean, for me, that was kind of the highest level uh, skier trainer I'd ever got to work with. And so I, I took away a lot of things from the sessions he's done. Rupert, what would be your say top two sort of training sessions if there would be, from the whole period uh, you've done? Well, I mentioned, obviously I've been, I'm slightly more long in the tooth than you guys. I mentioned Steve, um, that there was a guy, Steph Scrobar, who, um, well, just to look at him, uh, 
I hope this doesn't sound uh, well. It's a compliment to Steph, but uh, his eyes, his eyes are just slightly, slightly mad. Um, I think as my dad might say, "There's a gate open in the top paddock." But I remember, um, I remember first skiing with Steph Scrobar. I'd actually skied with him in, in Europe and blown away then. Um, but I've, I've never seen him. Bearing in mind the terrain at TC is uh, is really steep, variable. Um, but I only ever saw him do a short turn if it was bumpy, proper bumps. Otherwise, he would he, he would it would be pretty clean everywhere. Um, and uh, yeah, um, that 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 was mind blowing. Um, first game with Jeff uh, uh, Jeff Bolia. Uh, sorry, not Jeff <laughs> Jeff um, <laughs> Johnny Frank. Uh, that was uh, that was he was pretty youthful back then and. Um, I mean, he's still a stunning skier. Uh, he's probably he's, he's probably more disciplined now in many ways than he was then. But just the just the angles he was getting. Um, I, I remember, in fact, if anybody's interested, I think uh, it was either Garado or myself that filmed him on Lower Sinclair's doing some um, well, ostensibly long turns, but but he made them pretty short, clean as anything. And just just the amount of angle he was getting in the in the apex of the turn sort of was an eye-opener. I guess in terms of um, technical input, uh, I have to doff my cap to you, Tom. I've learned a lot from you. I mean, um, uh, and I think this is what the beauty of the Rookie Academy is. Uh, Rookie Academy, I think, I think the first thing is that generally um, there's no judgment in training. Um, everybody has different ideas and everybody has, a, I guess, an aesthetic that they look to. Uh, I think in Bayesley, um, we're sort of quite output focused, um, but some sometimes that's detrimental to the actual sort of inputs that you see. And um, it's sort of you know be clean above anything, uh, even if that means throwing everything inside or, or, or whatever. And I, I think that the first thing I noticed that number one training days there was no judgment, generally no judgment, and any judgment that was there was just a sort of it's just a reflection of egos, which unfortunately exist everywhere. But um, yeah, sort of no judgment, and and some some of the ideas were came out of quite left field and and sort of critical thinking, um, and so and I've learned a lot from you, Tom, actually in that respect. Uh, things that I hadn't thought about, things I, we don't want to get involved in uh, in technique, but things like you know leg steer versus foot steer, and 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 just little things like that, and. Um, and not trying to, you know, not trying to get maximum angle before the time where maximum angle actually makes a, a difference in terms of moving a centre of mass across the hill. Just little things that possibly I hadn't thought about in as much detail as before. And I think the beauty is, you, you know, you cherry pick things that work and, and things that you can see in your own skiing and your client's skiing. You're sort of, you, you might not take everything on board, but um, it, it, it made me sort of think much more critically about skiing, um, um, which I'd never done before. Uh, you know, everything came via, as it still should, what the skis are doing on the snow, but it was, it, it was just deeper, deeper, um, you know, deeper stuff. I was sort of, I don't know, I, 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 mem I remember describing the Rookie Academy to somebody before as the, as the Oxbridge of skiing, which would probably only work if you're a Brit 
but it's not just it's not just learning by rote. It's quite the opposite. It's um, it's actually getting you to think about about what's the body, what the body. Well, number one, what your intent is, but number two, what what the body actually actually um, is trying to do to achieve that intent. And yeah. um, I'm not much of a details person, except when it comes to skiing and ski tuning. And Rookie Academy, when it comes to skiing, turned me into a real details person. Um, yeah, and, totally. Yeah, Tom, I've lived with you a few times, and uh, I think people outside the industry, actually people in the industry, would think it was weird the amount of you know ski ski movies we watch and and how deep we get in and how how deep our discussions become because of that. Um, but it's addictive. I mean. <laughs> It is the only isn't thing it? that gets in the way is aging, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. Just thinking back to that that season in that old yeah. house, uh, we yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we would just get laptops out all the time. Oh my god! And be, yeah, be, yeah. You know, Riley's showing us some movie from nineteen eighty nine of some <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know obscure yeah, yeah. gear we've never I mean, heard of. But he's bringing. Yeah. He's like, I've studied this guy, and he does this and and that 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 alone i think uh inspires you to go yeah, yeah god and, and and you just it makes you look at skiing even more sort of in yeah, a detailed completely. way i mean riley uh riley and yourself and uh well actually it was jeff that first got me into um into the into the japanese tech stuff and i'd, I'd already I, i'd always i wouldn't say poo-pooed it at all because i think the I think the athleticism is is unbelievable, but I actually turned from thinking, well, these guys are skiing to an aesthetic more than they're skiing to a sort of utilitarian output to, to actually, particularly once you actually ski with Takao and see how fast he skis, um, to actually thinking these guys are, these these guys and girls, you know, we had, um, I, I can't remember a name, unfortunately, but um, that sort of, um, that girl that Takao was coaching, but uh, just actually just realizing how elite these people are, um, yeah, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing, and and, yeah. and also I like I like the fact that, and you can see it, you can sort of see it geographically. People ski differently, you know, um, and people have different priorities. It might be aesthetics. It might be I don't know a low transition. Um, it might be slightly more um, output focused. You know, I just. I just want the ski to. I, I just want the ski to be influenced as much as it can be in the in the apex of the turn or whatever it is, um, and it's all good. It's all. It's just all good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I remember. Do you remember that session um, with Takao where he yeah. was talking about basically uh, most associations poo poo rotating your upper body. Yeah, yeah. So, and he was basically teaching us to rotate and face our upper body inside of the turn, really, not yeah. just for the start, but for pretty much ninety percent. Yeah, of that's the right. turn. Yeah, 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 we're, yeah. We're Sort of overly square after the apex, and and and, it, and yeah, he made it work. If you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills, listen up. I've been working closely with the Carve team for over four years and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature, Active Coaching Mode. And here's the lowdown. 
Launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns, and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level. From there, every turn is a challenge, adapting on the fly to your skill, terrain, and conditions. No fluff, just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn. It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more, and as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself? Yeah, and he made it work, and people, I mean, I think there were some huge light bulbs i remember from from that day on uh sam from the new zealand team she yeah. her skiing got better uh so did um uh i'm trying to think of uh josh, the other new josh. zealand i think i think josh's that, yeah i think that movement pattern was was huge for josh actually um yeah definitely definitely yeah yeah and it was just it's and it was interesting because it was going against the grain of what a lot of us had learned and and taught but he explained why and you know saying you you, you guys are all too overcounted, and so then you're you know chattering on the edge and you can't increase the edge very well and you know he had some pretty fair yeah. points there um but yeah it was just t- to the group like everyone gave it a go and um and yeah so it was, it was pretty cool and you don't get that if you just stay within your your own organization and your own sort of circle of, of people. Yeah, completely, completely. I mean, people wrongly sort of, you know, everybody does their, does their exams with an alliance and, and, and that alliance becomes a sort of Bible to them. And, um, and it just, yeah, people can become so dogmatic. And I think that's what rookies actually, I think it's the pragmatism of rookies and the fact that, there were numerous pathways and and the, you know, there were numerous intents as well in, in in terms of what what a skier might want to achieve yeah it's, it's eye-opening it's um and like i said what i like about it is there's there's no judgment there's you know nobody hangs their hangs their hat on a specific whether it's an alliance or you know i want to ski like this person or people are just open to ideas um and uh and and then the fact we all get to train and we're we're pushed to train for two days a week uh yeah. makes the experience better for the for the for the students i mean i can't think of any other place where where you where you're actually pushed to have time off in order to train um and uh you know uh, obviously i understand commercialism and i understand that 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 time with clients is is is, is money but with rookies, I feel that Dino and, and Garrett from an early from an early time, I think certainly went since I arrived there, it was always a four-day week. It was always right, two days you're gonna train, somebody's gonna take training. Um, and it's good for the students as well, because it gets them, you know, the old adage of sort of learning happens when teaching doesn't. It actually gets them to reflect on on what they've what they've 
what they've understood in 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 sessions and spend a bit of time working it out for themselves because that's that's ultimately the only way that things change isn't it yeah and like i mean um harry you were saying you noticed the rookie academy when all the trainers were out training together and i think that's i think the students i've heard anyway they really like the fact that we go out and train because they'll see us doing what they've come come there to do go out and work on our own skiing and do different drills and and have discussions so i think that part is i think it's quite inspiring for people to have your coaches and trainers really be you know walking walking the walk not just talking the talk i don't know if you have anything to say absolutely absolutely i think yeah it, it really it helps us obviously develop as skiers and, and teachers going out and, and training and it makes working for Rookie Academy so much fun. But I also think the students, as you say, it's really good for them to see us out there walking the walk. And uh, also I think now as well in New Zealand, now we're teaching more uh, public as well as ski instructor training. It's great for the public Wanaka locals who are doing our new camps, our new four-day camps to see us out there training and pushing ourselves as well. It's really cool. Yeah. Do you know one thing uh, that's been really rewarding for me this season, doing some online coaching and coaching people around the world, is, is I've helped some people realize that there's more to skiing than just like the nice days where there's powder so you can put on fat skis and just go really fast and and not really care. Like people have said they, they've really learned to enjoy and love carving or love mogul skiing. And I think that opens up your whole ski life to, and, and ski, you know, time to, to actually enjoying just about every single day, no matter what the weather throws at you. Because I think, you know, I mean, those powder days are really the, they're not, they're not that common unless you live up in Alaska or even sometimes Japan. And so being able to have skills to ski everywhere, I think is, um, is really important. And that's what I think this kind of technical focused camps, you know, because there are camps out there, you, you know, you can learn to go ski with some free ride world tour person or whatever, but but these rookie academy ones, other than being an instructor one, if you're doing advanced camps, very much focused on being able to carve when the conditions are good for carving, ski bumps when the conditions are good for bumps, and ski powder when the conditions are good for powder. It means when you buy your season pass, you ski every single day, and every single day is is a good day. Um, like I think I think that part's important because we've been talking a lot about the trainers and and how much we enjoy the the experience of rookie academy but we do it because where they're also tra- training other people to to become you know the type of skiers we are and so harry what's this season offering if people are interested in doing a rookie academy program yeah uh, well i think just uh before we get into that quickly i think the the way I like to think about it is we're opening up the mountain. We're opening up the mountain 
for it to be fun and enjoyable. Because you're right, so many people just focused on that powder day. But if we could open up the mountain to people, you can have fun every single day, regardless of the conditions. Because I think I'm speaking for all the trainers and a lot of people that have trained with us for a long time, our, our guests, they are able to have the mountain, you know, can be fun no matter what the conditions. Yeah. Uh, so this year, uh, it is very exciting that New Zealand is opening for tourists, which is excellent after being closed for two years. So it's a bit of a, almost a relaunch of international uh, training with Rookie Academy. So this year, uh, Rookies is doing the traditional uh, season-long training program for people that want to become qualified ski instructors. Uh, you know, level one, two, and three. And then... As well as that, we are doing three-week ski instructor advanced camps. There's going to be two three-week camps in there, and that's going to be open to anyone who's already a qualified instructor. You can be a level one, and you're eligible to join these camps. And these camps are where you won't be specifically focused on training for an exam. You will be just developing your skiing and your understanding of skiing in a kind of high performance environment that Rookie Academy uh, will create, which is awesome. And then one little slight silver lining to a massive challenge with COVID was when the borders closed, Rookie Academy decided to try and go down uh, a slightly different angle because roughly 90% of our ski instructor trainees were from outside of New Zealand. So for the 2020 and 2021 winter, Rookie Academy was just doing four day ski camps for anyone that wanted to become a better skier. Marketed and aimed kind of at that uh, parallel and above level that want to become better skiers and open up the mountain. So even though the borders are opening now, the advanced camp uh, product is staying and that is for anyone who wants to become a better skier. And also for this year, there's a new thing called the brunch camp. Dean, Dean, I thought this one up and the brunch camp is going to be for people that don't want to ski all day, but want to develop their skiing still and that's going to be four days or three hours a day 10 a.m to 1 p.m and another cool benefit that's happened is Cadrona Alpine Resort which is the other main ski resort in Wanaka have actually purchased Treble Cone so Treble Cone as you've heard through this conversation is is a very quite steep challenging mountain and those brunch camps are actually a lot of them are going to start at Cadrona so a lot of people say we don't want to go to Treble Cone we don't think we're good enough we will start people at Cadrona and build them up build their skill level up to take them to Treble Cone and open the mountain up for them nice 
Yeah, cool. So there's going to be more on offer and and I think that's a really good point to make. Triple Cone is a pretty challenging place and if you're trying to build your skills up, it's nice to have somewhere like Cadrona also to be able to, to train out of. So, um, yeah, great. Excellent. And if people are interested in that, Harry, where do they, where do they go to find out more? So just go to rookieacademy.com and we've got a new website out and all the uh, courses are, you can read all about the courses on the website and you can book directly on the website. Uh, you know, if you're keen to sign up and if you have any questions, just click the contact us tab on the website and you can send an email and either myself or Dean will reply to you and we can give people a phone call if they want to have a little bit of a chat about uh, coming down to New Zealand and skiing with us. Nice. Awesome. Well, I, I look forward to meeting some, some people coming to New Zealand for the first time and hopefully having similar, similar experiences to what the three of us has talked about. Hey, uh, I, I'm going to finish up with, I can't help but, but ask you guys, I don't even know what this is yet, but Rupert, what have you been thinking about? What have you been working on in, in your skiing this year? I knew, I knew you'd have some technical, uh, <laughs> I guess, um, I mean, nothing, nothing groundbreaking beyond uh, actually trying to get more hip in the middle of the turn and, and less lower leg. Um, and doing some of the stuff actually we've talked about in the past is, is actively, um, somebody described it to me, I'm not a motorcyclist, but uh, I think motorcyclists sort of, good most cyclists this is it sounds it sounds pretty foreign to me but turn their front front wheel uh, against against the lean of the bike um yep. working on to that tip, with my to feet. tip more yeah to tip more working that yeah. with my feet to, to to maintain um to maintain sort of grip through the turn um so yeah sort of counter foot steering i don't know what you, you'd want yeah to no that no that's it would be yeah counter foot steering Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, they're, yeah. They're, the, they're the things I've been working on um, in my own skiing quite a lot. Um, just the old classics, like trying to grip as early as I do on my, I grip fairly early on my right foot, trying to grip as early on my left foot um, and actually looking at the end of the old turn. That's the other thing. We've, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of tinkering goes on in that, uh, yeah. in that um, rookie academy office doesn't it i mean people have yeah got yeah huge amount knives i mean the screwdrivers uh, and yeah yeah every lunchtime <laughs> in between the sort of piss taking there's um, yeah, yeah, yeah it can't yeah, it can't round. be it can't be the operator error it's got to be the equipment <laughs> yeah 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 i mean pretty much every lunchtime in between trying, trying to decipher what dino's saying um the old uh, <laughs> the old alan, alan key comes out and the uh, and the sort of cuff uh, the the cuff key comes out doesn't it which is uh which is just yeah. i think as far as i can see it's just a reflection of, of passion so um yeah it's all, yeah it's all and, good and you know in our defense sen sensitivity you know we're sensitive to yeah. these uh, to, uh, and you know that's pretty true you you can yeah, feel yeah, something's definitely. not right and you're yeah. trying to figure out uh often the equipment can can get in the way 
Yeah, hey, I Harry, mean, it's interesting. A... When you change you something in your equipment, the first couple of runs, it feels fantastic. I think there's a, <laughs> there's a psychological... Um, my friend Giles Lewis told me um, about this thing called the Hawthorne effect that ultimately means that everything feels better no matter what you do for a while. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, as long as it's different. Yeah, as long as it's different, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. that's why we have to every lunchtime tweak the Allen key. You know, yeah, cut the this Allen away. key comes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Allen oh, key good. Comes. It's feeling better again. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I think I've left a couple of Allen keys up up in the old uh, up in the old rookies uh, staff room. But yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I think that's a good point, though. Is it? I mean, you specifically, but but everybody. You know the um, you know the evaluation of things doesn't just come down to technique. It, we talk a lot about equipment and um, and psychology yeah. and uh, absolutely and and that's yeah. that's often what we'll with our with our students will be you know in there at lunchtime yeah with duct yeah, tape yeah. and going no 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 this yeah. is not right and and then sending them down to the to the shop to get things adjusted and and punched here and there and, you know that. like. Yeah, I mean, the, the with the uh, this academy, this online academy I'm doing at the moment, I'm sort of discussing boot fit and and looking at people skiing through the lens of of boots. And two people in in this week who've been skiing the whole season, you know, making improvements, but but things, certain things just not changing. Yeah, finally got them showing me what their legs look like inside their boots, and you know, one lady. The boot was basically choking her calf and and, and yeah. was just not the right fit. And as soon as she changed, she put her touring boots on, which had a much more open cuff. And yeah. she, she, you know, the video, the video is completely different. She said she had the best day, and even her her like digital calf sort of inserts were telling her the metrics were all were all better. And and another oh, guy. Yeah, another guy's just had all this kind of funny canting that I think someone had thought he he needed, and we basically took all that away, and then he got this, you know, yeah, amazing kind of run on camera, which was really good. So, I, like for me, I I before that I was really trying to steer away from equipment with all my students, like yeah. not like really try and work on you know, the movements and technique and, and, you know, doing the best you can with, with what equipment's there. Cause Sam, Sam Robbo, my co-coach, he also was, is very much on that. I mean, he, he skis on like 108 underfoot skis with um, oh, touring yeah. boots and, and just slays it, you know? So, yeah. so, I mean, he, he's an ex world cup athlete, so it's a bit yeah, different, yeah, yeah. but you know, from his perspective, it's like, should be able to do it. But I still think there's, um, yeah, the equipment side of thing. I mean, it can definitely get in the way. So I got some, I got some new ideas anyway. I want to share with you, Rupert. Uh, oh man, I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, some real revelations. Like I've always found it hard to balance, or not hard, but just harder to balance on my left foot doing like one ski turns, uh, one yeah, ski ski. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know what I found out? I punt. I, there was a spot that I just hadn't punched. And it wasn't sore, never gets sore during the winter, but it's yeah. like, it's, you could say it was blocked in the boot and I, yeah, and it yeah. like, like fractionally, like 5% punched it. And yeah. I just, and, and, and I could, I can now ski one ski on that left foot, just as good as the right. So it's really, uh, yeah, there's some stuff like that. I want to chat with you about. It's really, 
Oh, man, really, really interesting. So, I, I mean, I think there's, I think there's no, I mean, your uh, your mate that's ex World Cup. I, I imagine when he was on the World Cup, he he spent quite a lot of time on his equipment, um, and uh, yeah, I, th I don't think there's any getting around that. I think it makes such a huge difference. And I think, uh, in in fairness to rookies, and this is this is the beauty of having students there for a prolonged time is is that you can work on this and. A lot of it is is trial and error, as we both know, isn't it? And um, yeah, yep. You know, it, it 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 gives you the chance, and and with it with the wealth of experience of, of boot fitters, you Riley, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's nothing to to poo poo. Um, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, Harry, what about you? What's what's the focus been this season? What have you been working on? And in your own skiing uh so it, this season um tactically i've been trying to challenge myself to ski faster on steeper runs on longer radius skis and with that trying to keep the skis carving clean or as clean as possible in a long term uh regardless of the steepness and in a technical input kind of focus has actually been sort of what we were talking about with uh, Takao earlier in the uh, in this uh, chat. Chat. Basically trying to rotate into the turn basically as hard as I can and keep rotating and staying square with the skis for about 90% of the turn. And just as I release and I'm decreasing edge angle, the skis turn across me slightly. So I still have a little bit of what you might call separ separation at the end of the turn, but I'm pretty much trying to be rotating and square with the skis for the mm -hmm. whole time. And I feel like it gives me a lot more power, like power against the edge, yep. I'd say. Yeah. Would you also say that when you video that, it doesn't look nearly as rotated as you think you are? Yes, yes. It yes. feels like I'm, it feels like my body is, like my upper body is going to be almost facing up the hill, but yep. it's it's not. And, and I do think, you know, we did touch on it a little bit earlier. It's very important to be open to allowing yourself to do something like rotate into the turn, because I think it's it's become almost, especially in the English speaking ski instructor associations, it's become a bit of a, taboo almost or something that we don't talk about but i've yep. been skiing a lot in italy this year and uh skiing with i've been lucky enough to ski with some top italian examiners who are also euro test pace setters euro test openers and they all rotate super hard into the top of the turn super hard yeah you know what uh, like I think an important thing is too, like when you're testing this stuff, it's, it's you probably, you have a feeling that, you know, you get, like you said, the strength against the outside ski and you've, you've an outcome that you get from it, you know, rotating <laughs> just for like the set, like for people who are listening and maybe don't have the technical proficiency yet, it, it might not go that it might not lead to a great outcome, but you know, when Rupert was talking about the counter steering, that, that rotation or, or difference of where the upper body is going and the feet are going, 
it's doing essentially the same thing as the counter steering. It's allowing you to incline or create space to move your body further and further and further inside the turn. When you have that difference of, of facing the upper body in and the feet more out. And the longer you do that, the more you're going to keep developing higher, higher edge angles, be in a strong position for when the pressure sort of hits those skis and, and then therefore, you know, bend and, and make the ski turn through, through just it's sort of arcing on the, on the side cut, as opposed to, to turning the skis, like physically turning them. So I think like, like I, I think that's uh that's important part. Like what, why are you doing these things? And we definitely uh, delve into that. Like Rupert said, when you got a long, a longer period of time, it's really nice because you know you might walk away after two days going what the have i just been doing and this is against all the training i've had in my home resort and i'm not sure and yeah it's nice when you've got a bit of time and you can you can hear why and how it might link to something you've already been you know told and, and been trying to work and achieve but this is just a different way of a different route of, of getting there yeah Absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of what we do down in New Zealand for ourselves as trainers and also for the students that come down. They've got the time to go through quite an extended learning process yep. to become better. Yep. Yeah. That's that's on a trend going up, but definitely has some ups and downs on that, like the finance financial market, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The general trend up. But yeah, there's some some dips, but that's part of a good learning process. So, hey yeah. guys, th thanks so much for taking the time to to chat with us and with everyone listening. Really appreciate it. We've had had Rupert Goldring and Harry McFadden. Uh, Harry's the general manager of the Rookie Academy, and Rupert works for the rookies, but is also um, one a very senior person within the Basie system. They're both going to be in New Zealand along with myself this this winter if you're interested in joining a rookie academy camp as harry said go to uh is it you go ahead harry say it again just rookieacademy.com perfect and there's a contact button there or you can just sign sign up hopefully we'll see you there yeah and thanks guys for listening thanks tom good on you yeah cheers tom good to uh, speak to you both and uh Lots of love. Hope to see you soon. Well, I hope that episode was enjoyable and you got an idea of what New Zealand and the Rookie Academy is like. It's truly such a remarkable place, not only to ski, but also to experience training from all these international trainers with you know such a passion and drive for skiing that, as you can hear, we, we spend all our spare time on computers looking at video discussing it even even when that's you know we've spent a whole day doing it so i would welcome you to come and check out the rookie academy and come do a camp with us and then finally if you haven't checked out my website bigpictureskiing.com this is an invitation to go check that out as well basically all these uh, experiences ideas and training thoughts that i come up with i create videos around and so it's a way for you to also learn and gain insights from you know a top top level skier myself and my co-coach sam ex world cup racer 
and the idea is to just yeah keep keep you learning no matter what the time of year whether you're at home on the other side of the world it doesn't matter and so perhaps you could even be using that before you come and ski in New Zealand and you're already prepped mentally sort of know exactly what you want to know and and work on and just need some feedback to to help uh, guide you in that direction so yeah please check out bigpictureskiing.com and thank you for listening to another episode of the Big Picture Skiing podcast. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.